Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show, the longest-running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. Uh, I'm Jeff Warren. I'm here with my buddy, Len Hunsicker. This PST special show, we're going to get into the JT Realmuto trade and the Phillies acquiring him and also Markel Fultz being shipped out. One of the reasons we're doing this PST special show is because literally three minutes after we got done recording the podcast show yesterday for this week, all of this news came down literally three minutes after. So, Len, how are you, my friend? Thanks for doing the show here. <laughs> last, Not a problem. Last minute here. Yeah, it just, uh, I mean, you know, very inconsiderate of these teams um, to to do this right after we are done recording. Very. I, mean, I, I think some, some advance notice would have been nice. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Don't they know we're the longest-running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world? At least some consideration. At least the con- at least being polite about it, Len. If I had to bet something on that, I would bet my life that they don't care. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, okay. dude, I, I, I got to say, at first... When I heard that Sixto Sanchez was traded, and yes, getting JT Realmuto is freaking unbelievable for this Phillies team. I was sad about Sixto Sanchez, but then when you think about it from a logical standpoint, you think about the injuries that he has been plagued with early in his career. A lot of pitchers do go through injuries early in their career, whether it's you know Tom, uh, Tommy John, you know whatever the case is. A lot of pitchers end up going through some sort of injury bug when they're developing, and we don't necessarily know what type of pitcher he's going to be. Of course, there's risk in this trade. There's risk with every trade, but in the end, when you take a look at this trade, the Phillies and Marlins Thursday sending that all-star catcher with JT Realmuto to Philly in exchange for catcher Jorge Alfaro, right-handed prospect, then Sixto Sanchez, like we were just mentioning, left-handed prospect Will Stewart, and then $250,000 in international signing bonus slot money. I take a look at the trade, Len, and I actually would give it an A at this point here in this offseason. I like the trade. I like the fact that this is a team that's got Gene Segura in the offseason. David Robertson, Andrew McCutcheon, this so far is a successful offseason, but I love this. We have the best catcher in Major League Baseball coming to Philadelphia, Len. I love it. 
Yeah, it, it's been, I think, quite some time, I think, since you could say the Phillies had the best player at any given position in the game yeah. on their team. Uh, and and I think I honestly do think you can say this with uh, with real Mudo. Um, I I was I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine about this, and and w- if it was me, would I have made the trade? Yes. Um, however, I do feel a certain level of unease about it. Uh, I think that uh, Jorge Alfaro has another notch or two in his progression that that he's going to make, and I'm I'm I am still a little bit terrified of the you know possibility that Sixto Sanchez becomes just a flat-out number one ace, which is is rare in the game. I mean, there, there aren't a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and he has he has all the tools to do that. You know, the only th- question is his frame. He's six feet tall. He's not your, your typical um, starting pitcher frame. You wonder about durability. You wonder about the injuries. You know, you, you don't want to go down the dark path of like, oh, I hope, you know, he doesn't work out so that this trade looks good. You don't you don't want to be that person. No, not at all. Not um, at all. You, you know, I, I'm... I'm Personally, you know, a little disappointed by, you know, I was hoping to see him in Reading this year, hoping to get a chance to see him in Reading because yeah. I think he would have made it up there uh, at the very least. But, you know, that'll be alleviated once, you know, if, if Real Muto comes here and does what, what he's done, you know, pretty much his whole career. You know, so I'm not overly worried about that. I think I think he'll be really good. Um, and I think he's going to make a lot of Phillies fans really happy. There was, there's also, you know, I don't think it's going to uh, manifest itself or I don't think it's going to be the reason if, if something does happen. But there was a picture from uh, the All-Star game where all the All-Stars are there. They have their all, you know, their jerseys and their hats on. And there was a picture of um, Bryce Harper standing behind Real Muto trying to put a Nationals hat on Real Muto. He wanted him. So, he wanted him. Yeah. So he, I mean, didn't you know, Real Muto, so fr- yeah, didn't Real Muto, wasn't, didn't he hit a walk off or something like that? And then right after the game, Bryce Harper actually said, if we had him on our team, we would have won this game. Maybe that happened. I don't yeah. quite remember. Um, that's, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember it. Yeah, he was actively um, lobbying for him to come to Washington. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely likes him. So maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's just one more selling point. You know, hopefully one of him or Machado um, decides to sign a contract by the All-Star game. Uh, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> you know, it just one, you know. Well, let me piggyback so we'll off see what that. happens. Yeah, dude, let me piggyback off that, though, because you have an offseason and a team now that is not only going to be very, very competitive in the NL East, Len, they are going to be competitive in Major League Baseball overall and within the National League. There is there is no doubt about it that this is a win-now strategy by Matt Klentak. He is having, like I said, I don't know if you give him an A for this offseason. I definitely do at this point, and I, I would actually give this move – after I've looked at it, after I've dissected it, like I said, an A, but I, I, I want to get your thoughts on where this puts the team in the future because I think it puts them at the top. I'm talking about top five, top six potential teams in Major League Baseball. Even though this NL East is going to be a bloodbath, it still puts them toward the top. I see. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there are still moves that have to be made because, first of all, the AL is so strong. They are not better than either of Houston, true, yeah. Boston, or the Yankees. Um, are they're still probably not better than the Dodgers? Um, I like a lot of what the Nats did this year. I like them getting Corbin. I like their the two guys that they signed as their catcher situation. I think that they um, are going to still be good. You still have the Braves, who are going to be. Um, you know, they're going to be they, good. They have a lot of really young talent. Yeah. So 
or I, I can't put them top five yet, but I also like I can't grade Clintac's offseason as a whole yet because if, A, you have Harper Machado out there still, and B, there are still a ton of dominoes behind those guys. Like, and I mentioned this in, in I believe yesterday's show. Maybe there's a Dallas Kike or a Craig Kimball. Or, or any of the other guys that are out there that are still waiting, you know, just am I going to be signing with a team anytime soon? They're all sitting around wondering that. So to me, the interesting question is if they did manage to get Real Muto and McCutcheon and Segura and move Reese Hoskins back to first base and get David Robertson, maybe add another piece or two. If they don't land one of the two big fish, does everything else they did this offseason make up for it? Or do they have to have one of those two big guys in order for this to be a successful, I don't know if it makes up for it. in the eyes of the fan base. Yeah, I don't know if it makes up for it. It's an interesting question to me. Yeah, I, I don't know if it makes up for it necessarily. But what I'm thinking is that it, it makes them that much more viable. I actually think this looks like a 90-win team at this point. Maybe that's pie in the sky. Maybe that's me and my optimism when it comes to Philly sports and all these teams that we look at and dissect all the time. But I think this is a 90-win team here. I I don't know. Maybe I'm – do you think I'm just out out in left field with with that at this point? The the starting pitching – I mean, the defense is going to be, I think, markedly better. It can't be worse than it was last year. And that's the the other thing with Real Muto that, um, that, you know, you don't – maybe glean when you're looking at his baseball reference page is the fact that this is a guy that is a really good defensive catcher. He doesn't have Alfaro's arm, but he, he he's really, you're not going to get as many pass balls as you did with Alfaro. So you're, and he, he can mow some guys down trying to steal second that you're not losing that much by losing Alfaro there. So defensively, you've got Hoskins back where he should be. Segura is good. Um, you know, you, you have a better defensive alignment that's that in in of itself is going to help. The lineup is a little better. The pitching staff. Um, Nola has to be Nola from last year. Uh, Arietta. I would like to see him come back a little bit. And well, that's what I would. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, and I'm gonna say it again. There is a lot of people on the on the Nick Pavetta breakout year bandwagon, and that has to. Ha- if if you're if they're gonna win 90 games, like you think that, like you're saying that they might. That has to happen. And, but uh, I think that JT, I was going to say, I think JT Real Muto actually helps the pitching staff. I really, oh, I no doubt. really think that yeah, he's no going to help this pitching staff. I think he's going to help Arietta even more. And I think that he is going to help Nick Pavetti and even Vinny Velasquez as well. I, I think it's, I yeah. think it's a win-win for the pitching staff here. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's another thing that was talked about that again, doesn't show up in the stat sheet is um, how he handles pitchers and he's apparently a guy that that is noted as somebody that can that can lead a pitching staff quite well so yeah that's another added benefit if they were to go out and because you you cannot have enough pitching so if they were to go out and get another starter i'm not saying it has to be keichel but you know if you could go out and just bolster that starting rotation a little bit more i think i would feel better uh i'm not sold on eikhoff's health if he's coming back you know Vince Velasquez still remains a question after all these years. Yeah. Zach Eflin, I mean, hopefully he, you know, improves too. Um, he's another guy I think people forget about, but, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But, I mean, everybody is putting stock in the Nick Pavetta breakout year, and I hope to God it happens. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to be disappointed with, you know, where this team ends up. Yeah. All right. Well, we are certainly going to be talking about this particular trade and how it's going to be affecting the Phillies heading into spring training and then, of course, heading into April right at the start of the season. We're going to be talking about it in more detail 
down the road, but the other shoe that dropped yesterday in the world of Philly sports was the fact that Markel Fultz was traded to the Orlando Magic. Yes, Markel Fultz, no longer a Philadelphia 76er. He was drafted in the 2007 NBA draft. First overall pick. And uh, boy, what a disaster it was for his time in Philadelphia. So he, he he's gets shipped off to the Magic, Len. The Sixers get Jonathan Simmons, a 2019 second round pick, 2020 protected first round pick via the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's the deal here. And I think when we take a look at this, what does it mean in the end for this team? What does it mean in terms of of what Markel Fultz is going to remind us of down the road. Maybe the reminder that drafting a 19-year-old basketball player is a tough science, and especially when you have a front office that really didn't know what it was doing with Jerry Colangelo at the time. And although Fultz is no longer under under the roof of the Philadelphia 76ers, under the Sixers' responsibility, the, the ripple effects from this draft in 2017 when he came in it's going to be felt for a long time, and I think that I think it's safe to say that I do. Even though this team has done some great, great things from a front office perspective with this new leadership crew, with Elton Brand, the trades that were made this past week, we talked about them on our show. Head on over to PhiladelphiaSportsTable.com or where whatever podcast platform you're on, and you can hear us dissecting the trades we talked about on our show yesterday that we dropped. Len, um, I, I just feel that. It's, it's something that's going to – I don't want to say it's going to hurt the Sixers for the long term, but we're going to feel the effects from it from a long-lasting long, long, long standpoint, I think. Well, you know, and that's especially if this team never wins a championship and never gets to where we hoped it would have. And, you know, perhaps if the Celtics do, you know, maybe that trade comes back as something that gets pointed to. I mean, to me, the, the Fultz pick, which, you know, let's let's put this out there. We all were on board, so let, let's not say, "Oh, that was terrible." We, we, you know, we knew this was wrong. No, I, I can I can personally tell you, I was elated about the deal. Um, but you know, in the end, it looks like the whole Fultz thing and perhaps the the Colangelo era in general um, might end up becoming one of the great what ifs in in Philadelphia sports history. What if yeah. this never happened? Um, you know, what if maybe instead of you know. I'm not even saying you shouldn't have fired Hanky. I don't think you should have fired Hanky, but you know, even if they brought in somebody else that wasn't, you know, it's still underhanded. The way that whole thing went down, I'll never forgive Adam Silver for that. I, nope. I will always boo him yep. for that. Um, and and even if it was just somebody else with some modicum of of respectability, which the Colangelos, you know, have shown at this point that they don't have, um, you know, maybe maybe something else, you know. There, there's some other path that could have been taken, but it does. It becomes a gigantic what if. Um, well, I think, as I think too, himself. Yeah. Oh, really quick. No, just to piggyback off something you're saying, I think this Sixers organization right now, how it is, I think they need to win a championship in spite of Jerry Colangelo and in spite of this Markel Fultz situation. I think they need to do that. And I think it's needed for the fan base as well. And that's a lot of pressure on this team and organization. Well, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, that's that's why, you know, that's why you get paid all that money. Um, you know, these guys are all getting paid a ton of money to, you know, to to bring that here. That That's what every guy that signs those big contracts, I don't care what city you're in. That's what you're paid for is to produce and, and to, you know, help to contribute, contribute to a championship environment. And 
all those guys are, you know, are getting paid quite a good bit of money and, and they're going to continue to do so. We talked about that yesterday with perhaps bringing Butler back, perhaps bringing Harris back, perhaps hopefully yeah. bringing them both back. Yeah. Um, that, that's all part of it. So, um, yeah, the, the, I, I think this move, and we talked about this yesterday as well, it's definitely signals this year, Th- this year, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, for the next couple of years as well. But the, the championship window, it, it's not, you know, OK, let's get back to the second round and, you know, maybe we progress a little bit and, you know, OK, it's progression, it's progression. No, we're, we are in the window now. The expect the championship expectation window started I, I think fully 100% in earnest with this trade uh, today to give you a fourth star. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think that's where we are now. We, that that should be the expectation. Absolutely. And listen, I don't think it's that it shouldn't be a consolation at all. But presumably, a year from now, Len, I think it's going to be pretty clear whether or not Markel Fultz's problems were in fact more physical than mental. And we're going to find out what his potential really is. Again, presumably a year from now. It's it's going to be a while to wait to see that manifest because I have a feeling he's probably not going to do anything for the rest of this season. But a year from now, we may be looking at it and saying, you know what? It was just terrible all the way around. And and listen, this is a risk for the the Magic, too. I, it really is. And that's an organization that's going through some changes. They, they haven't had a point guard in, boy, how long here? So the potential for them is okay, I think, but very risky for them too. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter, you know, today and, and even yesterday, you know, saying, you know, oh, I wish Markel nothing but the best in in, in Orlando and and all this stuff, and that, and it's fine, you know, that's that's very good of Whatever. you. Whatever, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You you are you are perhaps a better person than I. Um, my <laughs> my thing in terms of Markel Fultz is he is Orlando's problem now, um, yeah. and and that is my take on Markel Fultz. He is Orlando's problem now. I, I I feel I don't feel hatred towards him or anything like that. But I'm not you know oh you're you're a good boy you know you're you're we're we're still gonna pat you on the head. I I don't I don't feel the need to you know mince words about you know how, you know oh I, I'm 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 behind him I'm behind him I want to show that I'm a good fan I'm behind him. I I feel no urge to do that. No, I feel do nothing. I. Um. So you know he is he is Orlando's problem now. And you know hey for for their sake I hope it works out. For his sake, you know, hey, if it works out, great. You know, good for you. I just, I don't feel any requirement to feel anything, yeah. and I don't. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on it, because there's going to be something down the road. Because I think one of the most interesting components about this whole Fult saga in Philadelphia was how things fell apart with Drew Hanlon. I mean, listen, he was praising Drew Hanlon at the beginning of the year and, and vice versa, but then something happened. And then Drew Hanlon just disappeared. And so if you abandon a premier shooting expert, uh, people behind the scenes in your camp, you know, they're not helping you. And it might mean the dysfunction with him is probably going to continue. It's going to be interesting to see that 30 for 30 someday to see what happened with regard to that. Well, and I remember reading an article in the Washington Post since, you know, uh, Fultz is from, you know, Maryland, the D.C. area. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, talking about how, you know, his mom kind of, you know, controls things behind the scenes a little bit a little bit of a little bit of a stage mom um or, or, or you know an obsessive sports mom yeah but they got matching uh, so they speak. got matching christmas uh, pajamas <laughs> and hey if that's what you're doing i don't care honestly but but if it's if it's messing with who your shooting coach is right and messing with with your with your what you're doing in your career and you're playing for my team that's when i got a problem with it and and so if that's what it was and and that you know the stories in that in that story turned out to be true 
he's going to have to at some point say, yo, let me do my thing. I'm a grown man. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. I, you know, so that's that's another thing, you know, they got her too. So I hope it works out, Orlando. <laughs> Actually, I kind of don't. <laughs> I don't want false I, being. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, Either I, way, just, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless he's the only, the only way I care about Markel Fultz and his career at this point is if they are playing the Sixers, then I want him to fail. Outside of that, I don't care what he does. I don't care what he does against the Denver Nuggets or, or the, you know, the Atlanta Hawks or whoever. I just, I don't care. It's a sad state that that draft pick and that night, I remember watching it. I remember us all texting each other saying, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. This is the linchpin in, in in Sam Hinkie's vision. We've got it now. And just how it all took a crap and the downslide basically right from the get-go you know i mean yeah we did see him playing in the summer that summer but man it just went downhill very very fast just goes to show len that these young kids some can handle it some can't yeah you don't know uh and and that's always going to be you know a thing that's why you know you bring these guys in and you interview them and you work them out yeah you know clearly you know the folks in the celtics organization saw something that was like oh no red flag um that that they didn't see in Philadelphia. So, you know, good on the Celtics for being able to recognize that and being able to leverage the Sixers into a trade where they got, you know, let's face it, the guy that they wanted all along, Tatum at number three, instead of having to take him at number one. And you, you milked in, you know, a, a big asset out of the Sixers. And that's, you know, that I, I, I suppose they are to be commended for that because, you know, they, they were able to, to manage that. They, they saw the Sixers thirst for faults. And, and again, not, not you know saying that myself as a fan isn't guilty of it because he was everything that the Sixers the the Markel Fultz that we thought we were getting is everything that the Sixers needed yeah and you know yeah. and and he just didn't turn out to be that nope not at all but uh, we do have again JT Real Muto coming in and I cannot wait to see him at the plate whether it's batting or whether it's behind the plate catching I I can't wait to see what's going to happen with him. I'm really pumped about the uh I'm really pumped about the trade lens. So, do you got anything else before we head out of here with regard to these uh two teams, these these trades, these acquisitions? I I just think that the Sixers, I mean, are going to be really interesting to watch over these next couple games. I mean, tonight they're they're about to tip off here against Denver. Um, I, I don't know if Embiid's playing. He had gastroenteritis, but um, just these first couple games, you know, because anytime you, you introduce a new element into the mix, and you know, you 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 know, especially a new scorer such as uh, Tobias Harris, you know, there may be some times where you know it's uh, you know, it's going to take them a little while to to get in a groove with each other, and yeah, figure out how, how to play there. with each other. Yeah. So you know that that may take a few games. You know they, so if if they don't, you know instantly come out of the gate and you know blitz everybody you know i i hope fans are prepared for that because that is something that could happen and and it'll be interesting to follow the guys on the bench you know one of the things that was talked about with this team was you know the depth on the team and hopefully having a guy like like mike scott and um and even like the the other um uh, james ennis the guy they picked up from houston yeah, yeah um i i think he's a guy that you know he's he's a you know shooting 36 percent from three this year maybe he's a guy that can you know be a, a guy that can shoot for him maybe give him a little bit of defense on the wing so uh hopefully that all that all turns out in that bench you know is strengthened a little bit with it but it, it'll be interesting to see how they how they go in these next couple games here absolutely interesting times very fun times in the world of philly sports here so that's going to do it for us 
Here on this PST special podcast show, follow us on Twitter at Philadelphia PST. You can follow Len on Twitter at Len Hunsicker. Follow me at Jeffrey underscore Warren. That's going to do it for us here for this PST special show. Take care and we'll catch you next time. We'll be right back.